First, a word from our sponsors. With the help of GPS tracking backpacks, scientists recently revealed the deadly consequences of letting your cat go outside. FYI, your adorable kitty, actually an ecological nightmare. Ask any bird or mole in your yard. Cats kill up to 10 times more wildlife than a comparable native predator. However, keeping your furry friend inside may be easier said than done. While house cats are some of the most popular pets around, the story of how they came to be domesticated is even more mysterious than our favorite fickle feline in question. Feral, yet people-friendly, science says it was cats that ultimately made the choice to coexist with humans. And with this unexpected ancient discovery, key questions remain. Are you the owner of a cat, or are you simply your cat's human? Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about the GPS study that reveals the dangerous consequences of letting your cat roam outside. New research reveals cats kill between two and ten times more local animals than other comparable native predators. It turns out the best way to protect wildlife is to keep those killer cats indoors. Our second story is about a surprise discovery about ancient pets that's upending evolutionary thinking. Examining the relationship between humans and cats during the Neolithic period, researchers pinpointed when felines became pets, a situation made more complicated by the fact that cats may not be fully domesticated. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now... The Pet Science Revealing Cats' Mysterious, Dangerous Ways. But he's only a cat. Mm, a cat that sooner or later will kill me. You may recognize that and why wouldn't you, from The Black Cat, the esteemed cat horror film, They Do Exist, from 1981, loosely based on the Edgar Allan Poe story. If you own an outdoor cat, you get it. You know they're inclined to show signs of love and appreciation by leaving a dead animal at your feet. Oddly touched yet horrified, owners will chalk it up to the cat's feral nature. Studies show that different cats have different tendencies when it comes to hunting, but make no mistake, all of them are deadly. They are, of course, creatures of the wild, and new 2020 research from North Carolina State University proves this in spades and a death count. Roland Kays, lead author of the study, explains. We wanted to know, do pet cats and wild predators have the same ecological impact on prey populations. We wanted to get a global perspective on this, so we teamed with scientists to distribute GPS tracking devices all around the world, making this one of the largest tracking studies ever. Troy Perkins, another researcher from the study, talks about how they went about learning the ecological impact of killer cats, specifically with GPS tracking devices. To compare the impact of pet cats with their wild equivalents, we needed two types of data. How much prey does a cat kill? And what's the range over which it hunts? Of course we know cats don't bring home everything they kill. Those numbers have an adjustment factor that accounts for prey left behind or consumed. The results? Pet cats kill between two and ten times more wildlife than native predators. And that incredible kill rate has everything to do with where they hunt for prey. They tend to stick to their home yard and maybe wander into the neighborhood. So... 
Cat owners may wonder whether they should let their cats follow its feral instincts into the wild, or are they better off just keeping the door shut? Let's get more from Claire Cameron, senior science editor at Inverse. How's it going, Claire? Hi, Tanya. So, I mean, you figure, I don't even know where my cat ends up half the time it, it goes out. I can't imagine tracking its hunting forays. But if you could further explain how this study went about tracing these cats and how far and wide this all went. Yeah, so in the study, the researchers outfitted 925 pet cats with little backpacks that had GPS trackers built into them. And the pet cats were from owners across the United States, United Kingdom, New Zealand, and several other countries. And basically they were looking at how far the cats went when they went outside and what they did when they were out there. Right, and this study ultimately came to the conclusion that pet cats have this bigger impact on prey populations than their wild counterparts, which was interesting. Do domestic cats then become a legit conservation concern? Researchers found that pet cats, they don't tend to stray more than 100 meters um, from their home, but within that 100 meters, they inflict a lot more damage than wild predators do. Um, So they are perhaps four to six times um, as big an impact on the wildlife in the immediate vicinity of their homes. So I suppose from a conservation standpoint, it kind of depends where your home is and the species that you have living immediately in your urban environment. My first thought was that old wives tale that we'd be swimming in rodents if not for cats. It's interesting to get this perspective. I mean, so if you lived in a place where there were lots of rats and mice or other unwanted species, then perhaps having a pet cat is a great way to keep them away. They're certainly extremely efficient. Um, But overall, these researchers suggest that in order to preserve wildlife, and that's the full diversity of wildlife, then pet cats should really be kept indoors. And there's really no way around that, right? These experts uh, that we spoke to that said just that, like, leave your cats inside. Well, yep, it's certainly the easiest solution. Um, I don't know how else you would monitor them. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, you tell that to all the uh, people that own outdoor cats, they know how uh, fun that could be trying to keep that cat indoors. But hey, I guess we're all doing it these days. Uh, Claire, great stuff. Thanks so much. Thank you. Now, a word from our sponsors. Much like the behavior of cats, their origin is full of mystery. However, an unexpected ancient cat discovery is rewriting the history of your house pet. Up next, the study that suggests it was cats that chose to live with humans, and they made their minds up even earlier than we thought. Feed the cat. Don't forget to feed the cat! All right, Lois, remember to feed the cat and remember to get a cat. I love that cat. Who let the cat out? We don't have a cat. I milked a cat once. You want to hear a story? One of the most popular family pets is more like a family member. Expecting to be fed, pet, and given complete control of your house? Quirky and independent, the domestic cat doesn't seem all that domesticated sometimes. As the famous saying goes, dogs have owners, cats have staff. But to humans' credit, cats did choose us to coexist with long ago. 
and a July 2020 study in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences examined the relationship between humans and cats in order to pinpoint exactly when they became pets. Using wild cat remains found in caves in Poland, a research team learned the road to becoming a house cat started in Europe, when Near Eastern wildcats, our house cat's ancient ancestor, followed early farmers to the continent during the Neolithic period. They found these cats were not yet fully dependent on farmers at this time, describing these cats as free-living individuals. Cats accompanied people in Central Europe for thousands of years, staying somewhere between wild and domesticated, and possibly also feral. Basically, for thousands of years, cats were more like natural allies of humans in their constant fight against rodents rather than domesticated pets. If you're the owner of a cat and feel that not much has changed since then, you're not wrong. As for when exactly these cats became house cats, still not clear. Researchers are working on that next. In the meantime, don't forget to feed the cat. It gets annoyed, after all. Joining us now with more details is Mind and Body Editor at Inverse, Sarah Sloat. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Happy to be here. So house cats are, are an interesting uh, lot because it seems like they adapt to domesticated life, but their feral nature is so obvious sometimes. The latest insight seems to mess with any conventional wisdom that cats are even fully domesticated. Are they technically? What's the word on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the idea is that they're semi-domesticated. And that's also something I love about cats and probably why other people don't like them very much is that they're not fully domesticated. Uh, they have this streak of independence. You know, when they give you that look that says, I don't really need you, it, it's also kind of true. I Yeah, I know that look. So in terms of how they became semi domesticated. The history is fuzzy at best. What has been the widely accepted historical conclusion before this study? Yeah. So what's happening right now is that scientists are trying to work out the details of the process. But numerous studies indicate that the interaction between ancient people and wild cats, the precursor to what we think of as domesticated cats, started in the Near East. And actually the earliest evidence that they found so far of a cat-human association was in Cyprus. Um, they found a cat and a human buried side by side um, that's dated, their remains dated to about 9,500 years ago. And the idea is that this ancient relationship between humans and cats ignited semi-domestication, a process that coincided with the agricultural village development in the Fertile Crescent. And eventually, the descendants of five wild cat breeds spread across the planet, and now they live in your apartment. Yeah. So it came down to these ancient wildcat bones that they found in the Near East. They pointed researchers in the right direction, and it was ultimately learning what these cats ate that ended up helping us understand how domestication came about? Yes. So we think human-cat relationships started in the Near East, and then they migrated with humans across the world. This study zeroes in on cat remains in Poland that are dated to about 4,200 to 2,300 BCE and are indicative of that journey westworld. You know, what these scientists really wanted to discover was how did cat domestication in Europe happen? 
And while you could tell what a modern animal eats by examining their stomach or their scats, you don't have that option with ancient remains. And that poses a challenge because understanding what an animal eats is key to understanding whether or not it's actually domesticated. You know, it's previously been assumed that it was the exploitations of rodents, this diet of rats as a source of easily accessible food that was really responsible for cat domestication. You know, rats follow farmers and cats follow rats. This pattern is actually described as synanthropic behavior, and that's when an animal benefits from an association with a human. So what does that give us? So we have bones, and what bones can offer are stable isotopes, and these are variants of chemical elements in biological material, like carbon or nitrogen. And amazingly, an analysis of stable isotopes can reveal the average diet of an animal during long intervals of its lifespan. So that's what they look for in these remains specifically. So does this make clearer in terms of how our actual relationship with cats started, you know, how we eventually started to like each other? Yeah. So they also compared the stable isotopes found in the remains of other animals dated to the same time period, including the rodents. And this analysis found that human agricultural activity had already altered the stable isotope ratios of rodents, but these Near East wildcats had not gone through the same level of transition. You know, they could see that they did dine on rats, but their isotope ratios were still very similar to the European wildcat, suggesting that, you know, they followed the farmers, but they weren't fully dependent on the farmers. And this the scientists describe these cats as, quote, free living individuals. They, they meaning, you know, they weren't pets at this point in the timeline. It seems to highlight the difference between cat-human coexistence versus dependency. Is that the important distinction here? Not so much that they need us, but they're willing to tolerate us. Definitely. At least in this journey towards trying to discover in Europe, you know, when did they exactly become pets? Because what this study indicates is that cats accompanied people in Central Europe for thousands of years, staying somewhere between wild, domesticated, and also possibly feral. You know, I I got this lovely quote from the study author where she said, you know, for millennia, cats were only natural allies of humans in their constant fight against rodents rather than domesticated pets. But technically, the timeline is still fuzzy, right? We, we still don't know exactly when these cats became house cats. That's still some missing piece of this puzzle. Yeah. And, and why it's a mystery is also something, in turn, a reason that I think cat-human relationships are very cool. Because it's not exactly clear when cats in Europe became pets, but cats became pets in different parts of the world at different times. You know, I think it's very charming that people who were not connected geographically still wanted wild cats to be around them a bit more and were lenient towards having these fuzzy guys around, you know. And and when the cats in this study were close to being domesticated, um, at the same time, cats were already living as pets in ancient Egypt. And so what scientists want to figure out now is like the precise timeline, because right now it's pretty scattered. Yeah, I think every cat owner gets this and feels this. It all kind of makes sense. Really interesting study. You can read more about it at inverse.com. In the meantime, Sarah, thanks. My pleasure. Thank you. 
Head to Inverse.com to read more about the latest cat science. You can find the links in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at Inverse.com. Got something to say? Email us at theabstract at inverse.com with any questions, suggestions, story ideas, and anything else on your mind. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.